Hi, I'm Mandy. And I'm Ben. And this is Behind the Visa Window with ex-visa officers. Where we give the insider's perspective on the U.S. visa interview process. Hey guys, it's Mandy and we are back at Behind the Visa Window with ex-visa officers. Today is going to be a really special episode. I'm so excited to have this interview and this conversation with Kat, who's one of our Argo officers. Kat previously worked as a uh, U.S. consular officer or a visa officer at the U.S. Embassy in Beijing, and this is actually how Kat and I know each other. Well, actually, no. Kat and I knew each other from even before we got to Beijing, but we did work together on the line, as they call mm -hmm. it, behind the visa window as a visa officer, and Kat, do you remember those days that we used to have behind the window, you know, sometimes interviewing next to each other? Like, I swear we would usually try to, if we were on the same shift, we would try to sit next to each other uh, so we can have conversations in between. Yeah, that those were quite the days. Uh, it was, what, 100 visa interviews a day? Was that about, about right? Yeah. So you'd start, you'd start with your coffee and then you get to do a hundred interviews a day. You get some time for lunch. Yeah. And then afterwards, uh, if you were really lucky, you got to do more visas at the end with Dropbox. Yeah. You remember? Oh my God, Dropbox. <laughs> and so uh, that is our way of calling those cases that would come in and they would mm -hmm. not need interviews or actually they might not need interviews, but sometimes we would still pull cases and still call people in for interviews because the documentation looked kind of funny or for whatever yeah. other reason. So yes, I absolutely remember those days. And is it weird that I kind of miss it? <laughs> yeah, actually I kind of miss it too. There are nights when I dream of, you know, where's my entry And mm -hmm. And I just cannot, it just does not go out of your mind. Yeah. You, you're just stuck there and you just, you can see it. I mean, you say it so many times in a day that you just kind of, it becomes part of your nature. That's so even so today, true. I feel like I could sit there and probably just do it again if I really needed to. It's so true. I still remember how I would like maneuver my, you know, maneuver my keyboard, you know, how I would open <laughs> up the DS-160 as somebody That's would be walking yeah. up to the window and I'm scrolling through and looking for the the answers to the questions I care about, but you just reminded me, oh my God, like I used to say that like a million times a day. It's so true. Um, yeah. Uh, do you still remember your Chinese? Uh, okay. You know, I'm still in Taiwan, so it's okay. Mm. Well, Mm, so it's not too bad still yeah. there yeah yeah we we love helping Chinese students you know Kat I feel like you and I since we've had experience mm -hmm. in China when people go on our Argo platform or and they sign up for a consultation with an ex-visa officer if they select that they're applying in China sometimes there's a good chance that they'll get one of us just because we have that experience we have the language skills and um I don't know about you, but I actually really enjoy like complicated visa problems just because I feel like first time visa applicants, like whatever, so easy, you know, help them get familiar with the process. But when someone comes to us and they're just like, ah, oh, I've been refused like five times. I don't know what to do. You know, then we can really kind of get into the meat of our expertise and what we've seen behind the window and whether or not this person 
you know, really kind of has a shot and if they've just been presenting themselves all wrong, right? Yeah. And I think actually having the language skill at that point is really, really useful because you can be very clear about exactly what went wrong and you can get the, you can get the real story as well. I mean, I think a lot of times when people are in the window, they get nervous and then they forget Mm -hmm. Um, and they might speak English perfectly. Honestly, a lot of the students that come to us speak English perfectly, but when you're nervous and someone's staring at you through the window, it's very easy to forget. So a lot of the times, um, a lot of the students that come to us, they just start in Chinese and keep going in Chinese until we get to the mock interview part, which we have, we do in English, right? Right. But the, but the, but the Chinese is really important because it makes people feel comfort that they can express themselves completely fluently to us. And we're able to respond to that. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Like just hearing somebody, I think, speak your native tongue, I think just makes you feel so supported and understood. Even if you are fluent in English, it just like helps you feel like you're being understood in a different way almost. Yeah. And a lot of the things that we deal with, as you, as you just said, are like really weird and actually kind of complicated visa issues Mm -hmm. and being able to express that in your own language or having the the former visa officer being able to express that in in your language is just so much clearer. It's just, it it gives you so much more clarity on what exactly the problem is so that you can actually go ahead and tackle that. And I, that's been so helpful as we've been moving forward in Argo. Totally, totally. And I actually just got this question today and um, it was from a, um, a Chinese student who emailed mm-hmm. us in our mailbox. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to address this in the, the podcast interview with Kat. But he wanted to know just more generally, are there set quotas on how many people a consular officer has to approve or deny? What do you think about that question? So no. And I, I for, for the years that I worked there, and Manny, you too, you should chime in on this one. Um, there were never any set quotas. There never any sort of, uh, it, what we would generally know is we would generally know kind of what the rejection rate was across mm-hmm. the board, mm-hmm. but we would, but we were always told never to, to use that as a benchmark for ourselves. If someone was a good applicant, they were a good applicant, right? you know, and if you're, and if your rejection rate that day was 1%, good for you, you had a great day. Yes. Honestly, every time we rejected someone in the window, I don't know about the other visa officers, but this is how I felt. It always felt a little disappointing. Because we were there to get people their visas to let them go to the United States to have these great experiences. And every time you rejected someone, it was just like, oh, that really was not a good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. every time we did that, so like people, there were people on the line who had very high rejection rates, and maybe they had a different perspective than I did. Yeah. But my feeling was always, you know, I want to let this person go. Mm-hmm. They need to help me. Uh, give me the information that I need so that I can approve them so that we can all move on with our lives and have a really great experience. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you said that. And I, I just kind of want to bring it back to one thing you said, which is, oh, you know, great. This person is a good applicant. And I think between consular officers and ex-consular officers, Mm -hmm. we immediately know what that means, right? We've done this job day in and day out tens of thousands of visa applicants we've interviewed, but to somebody who doesn't really know the process, they might be like, wait, what, what does that mean? Like, I assume I'm a good visa applicant. Like, why am I not a good visa applicant? So sometimes I almost feel like the U S visa process feels a little bit like, like it's a test, 
but there's no, the, we're not telling people what the actual standards or the benchmarks are, right? right? And to me, it feels a little bit unfair. And I remember just thinking when I was a visa officer that, you know, you always hear these stories about outside consultants and visa touts and agents mm-hmm. who were, you know, uh, giving people false information and misleading them and just saying, hey, if you apply again, but you come with us and you pay us this amount of money, you know, we'll make sure you get your visas. And it was so frustrating to me because I was like, why is there not a company out there that was doing this for the right reasons and doing this the right way and telling people what they need to, to, to hear, to understand? Because, you know, it's just, I think that most of our clients at Argo, you know, and I don't know if you agree with this, but I feel like people like to be leveled with. They like to hear from us directly, um, you know, what exactly they could do to be more honest and more open and culturally connect with a visa officer. And that's something that's not really like written down anywhere. I mean, I had this client recently who uh, was from Africa, from South Africa, and he had been Mm -hmm. denied like five times. And I think I was the only, I was maybe the first person to tell this client, I was like, do not apply again. Like there is no point. You're not going to get a visa because your spouse is already in the United States and, you know, uh, a green card holder. So there's just no point, but he had been listening to all these visa agents who were like, Hey, if you just apply again and pay us, you know, maybe you'll be able to pass this time. And he was so thankful to me for just telling him directly, like, do not apply again. Do not waste another $160. You know, you can look at all the legal ways that you can immigrate to the U S because you actually have a person there now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he just like really appreciated that. And I think, um, you know, when we're visa officers, when we were consular officers, there was just no way for us to be that direct and give people advice on how to do things. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I mean, going back to what you were saying, I mean, there is very clear guidance, right? So state.gov is really good about listing exactly what it is that you need to to go to the United States. But what does that mean, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's part of what's really useful about our service. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, you have the policy and you have the law and it says, you know, you have to be a student and you have Mm -hmm. to be this and you have to have financial ties. And all that stuff is really great, but like, what does that actually mean for you? How does that translate to real life, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, you could be the richest person on earth and a student and, you know, have gone to a top 10 school, but if you bring absolutely nothing to the window, you bring Mm -hmm. nothing to the window and you answer everything, yes and no, or two word answers, Mm -hmm. the visa officer really has nothing to go with, right? Because at the end of the day, the, the actual approval is subjective, right? Mm -hmm. Subjective, it's up to the person to trust you that you have this criteria. So yes, the rules and the laws, black and white, very clear on paper, on state.gov, all over the internet. And yet, how is it that I'm not passing this? And this Mm -hmm. is kind of one of the things that we we always get asked, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, I mean, that's exactly why we're here. Yeah. Because you're right, in the window, there's nothing that you can say. And every once in a while, the visa officer will just get frustrated and they'll just say, you can't do this, or they'll tell, they'll give you a hint and, you know, yes, but that's about as far as they can go. That's absolutely right. And I think that it's, it's subjective and what we know, our experience and trying to help people the right way, telling them to not only 
to be honest, but how to be honest, how to have that connection with the visa officer. Sometimes it's a little bit psychological. Sometimes it's just all of these things that we know that's not written down anywhere because right. we actually know how that law, how that law will be applied in reality, right. not just as a phrase in the foreign affairs manual or, you know, wherever people are looking this stuff up. Yeah. And I think that's the big problem, right? So a lot um, of these these, um, as you said, touts and, uh, and other consult consultations and our cons- counselors, the reason why they may not be giving the best advice is because they haven't lived it, right? Mm-hmm. So like you said, we've done tens of thousands of visas every mm-hmm. day, a hundred visas, something like that. And, you know, we sat next to these other officers who were doing exactly the same thing. And we mm-hmm. did this day in and day out for, you know, months, some of us years. And, you can feel it after a while you can feel what is a good applicant and what is yes. not and then be able to verbalize that to to our applicants is really really helpful but i think one of the things that's that's really difficult is you know i can't say that the the consul let's go back a bit so i can't say that the the other consultants are saying the wrong thing because what they're doing is that they're simply reading the fam or they're reading mm-hmm. um, whatever it is on the internet in black and white and that's true and that stuff, okay, sure, that's the law. But the fact of the matter is that really only covers about 20% of what it is that they're trying to, to get from you. Yep, yep, that's absolutely right. And so, you know, you've been with Argo for a while. You know, I remember mm-hmm. when I was really excited to tell you about it and I was like, join me yeah. in this mission to like change the world. You know, tell us about, you know, now that you've been doing consultations mm-hmm. for quite a while, what has sort of surprised you about our consultations? Like, was it what you expected or is it different? So uh, Argo is, it's half and half. So some of it I really expected. So some of these cases where, you know, people have been rejected a whole bunch of times and they don't know what's gone wrong. That part I definitely expected because that's what we're here for. And that was the mission. Yeah. But the other stuff that kind of surprises me is how many of our applicants come to us who actually have like a really good narrative, like Mm -hmm. a really good um, background and story Mm -hmm. and who are just simply unable to get this out. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Some of these cases are, are not just about, you know, you have something that precludes you from getting a visa. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have some family in the United States or something that you haven't described adequately or something like that. A lot of it is just simply people are unable to get the information out because mm-hmm. they are not accustomed to answering questions this way, mm-hmm. or they're worried about being really rude mm-hmm. and like interrupting and, and getting right and being assertive. And yeah. I think that's part of our service mm-hmm. is actually trying to get people to understand that, you know, being a little bit assertive may actually help you in this case. I mean, it's, it's a case by case basis. And of course you have to talk to the applicant to figure that out. But I mean, just being able to come in front of us and being like, and having one of the Argo officers say like, maybe you shouldn't uh, answer the question that way. Maybe you should stop looking up. Maybe you should stop yeah. backing up. Like, yeah. don't be afraid of me. Even stuff like that is like, it's simple, but people don't think of it. Yes. And they just don't know how they're presenting in the window. And because we've seen this like a mm-hmm. hundred times a day, every yeah. day, like months and years, you know, when if someone backs up in the window, there's something wrong. Yeah. It's very true. I love how you <laughs> put that. I really love it. Um, so what, what have most of your Argo clients been worried about? Like, what are some things that mm-hmm. they come to you with? You know, because usually they sign up for an Argo consultation mm-hmm. with an ex-consul 
there's yeah. a visa questionnaire. And the last mm -hmm. question is always, you know, do you have any questions for the ex visa officer? And sometimes they'll fill out that little section, but you know, based on your experience, what do you think people are, are concerned about? Oh, well, there's a lot of concerns. There are some that are really, really technical, like yeah. uh, they have, um, they've committed a crime in the United States on a previous mm -hmm. visit, or uh, they have some sort of legal process that they're going through, and they need your help with that. So yeah. there are those. But generally, it's not actually even that. So I always tell people the visa is an administrative process. It's mm -hmm. not a legal process, it's actually an administrative process. And so um, a lot of the questions can't actually be answered by a lawyer. Mm, right. So, you know, for example, if you need some uh, some help with the way that you approach the officer mm -hmm. and the way that you're coming off, that's not a legal issue. Right. Yeah. And technically, it's not even administrative. It's interpersonal. So there's there's uh -huh. that. So like but one of the a lot of the questions that come up are simply about process. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been stuck in 221G for, mm -hmm. you know, three months. Am I ever mm -hmm. going to get out? Is there ever any hope for me to have? Yeah. Um, I really want to go to the United States, but you know, I have, I have family in the United States already, and the visa officer won't believe that I have, you know, dual intent. That I mean mm. to go to the United States, but I don't mean to stay there forever. I just plan to use this visa. So we yeah. get a lot of those. What I, it's not even gray area actually. Mm. If you think about it, it's it's just, you know, they're stuck. They have no one else to turn to, and they really want to know a little bit more about the process and how how the visa officer is actually viewing the case. Mm. There's other ones like, a, but really a lot of them are 221G. So ones that have gone into administrative processing mm -hmm. for whatever reason, and they just want to know why, how, and if there's a way to get out of it. Mm. So those are big ones for me. Mm. Um, other ones that we usually get, um, that I usually get are, a lot of them are students. Yeah. Or, well, or people who work, yeah. Well, I love that you brought up administrative processing because I feel like that's one of the topics that we're asked about all the time. I yeah. make tons of YouTube videos about admin processing. But in your own words, I mean, what exactly is administrative processing? And is there more than one type of administrative processing? I realize this is something that you and I used to, you know, do day in and day out, but I did think just for our audience. Yeah, so 221G admin processing is really just this giant basket in which the officers throw all these cases. It's technically a rejection, okay? So I can't say that it's not a re rejection. It is. It's technically a rejection, but it's what I would think of as a soft rejection. You can mm -hmm. overcome it, and you can overcome it in a lot of cases pretty easily, mm -hmm. as long as you do certain things. Mm -hmm. So um, what does that actually mean? So mm -hmm. when you're in the window with the officer, typically mm -hmm. you only get like three to five minutes because the mm -hmm. officer has got like 100 people a day. And yeah. so they're not going to be able to spend time with you, even if they wanted to. And right. so what they do is they take your case and they're like, I'm really sorry. I don't have time to review all this documentation that you just gave me. So I'm going to mm -hmm. throw this in this basket here mm -hmm. and I'm going to deal with it later when I have time. Mm -hmm. And so that's what 221G administrative processing typically is. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so there's different kinds that fall underneath that. There's um, ones where uh, the officer simply just needs additional time to review your case. They just mm -hmm. didn't understand something about your case, you know, be it your family, your educational background or whatever. And they just need time to read. Yeah. Maybe you didn't present very well in the window and you were yeah. just babbling and they're like, oh my gosh, I can't understand anything this person is saying. Let me just like take the time to review this. So there's that just yeah. 
I'm frazzled. I need some time to look at it. Yeah. There's also other ones that are for students or for people who are going to work who are in sensitive fields. Mm -hmm. So um, that one, typically, it just means that it needs to be reviewed by another party. Mm -hmm. um, someone with a little more technical knowledge, just to make sure that everything is in order. Yeah. Um, and, you know, eventually you'll get issued your visa. But that generally tends to take a little bit of time because mm -hmm. they have to have someone who's an expert or someone who's at least aware of your field and look at it. Mm -hmm. Some of the people who come to us are really talented. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I used to tell people I was a liberal arts major. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, Yes, I did study science, but not to the level where I'm going to understand um, weather models. Mm. So I don't know. So I'm going to send this to someone who might. And so that's mm. that's another group. Yeah. Um, another one is just, you know, if you're going to work, maybe it has to do with your, your company. They just want to verify mm. that everything is okay there yeah. and stuff like that. So, I mean, administrative processing, yes. Well, I, I understand that it's really scary. Mm -hmm. It generally just means that the officer needs more time. Yes. And that they'll make a decision at a later date. And generally what I found, the people that I put into administrative processing were the ones that I thought were perfectly fine for a visa that yeah. I was like ready to issue, but I just yeah. needed to get that little bit of clearance yep. so that they, so that I could be sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And here I will just make a little bit of a plug for Argo where okay. we worked um, with a couple of clients that had been mm -hmm. stuck in administrative yep. processing for like weeks if not months and the second they came to us for a consultation and we worked with them and understood their situation we knew immediately why they were in administrative mm -hmm. processing and how we can help this person put together you know some correspondence with the consulate to answer potential questions that they might still have and in both cases uh those visas were approved like three days later and so you know, again, I think in this field, just this insider knowledge of understanding how a consular officer thinks and how a consular officer, you know, works and how a consular section works, I think is so helpful in um, really navigating like a bureaucracy, which is, you know, very, uh, there's just a lot of papers moving through, moving yeah. through every single day. So you don't want to be one of those people that falls through the cracks. And if you are, you know, send us an email at hello at argovisa.com, describe what's happening, and we can let you know how we can help because we've done this for so many people. And, um, you know, I feel like this is really the only place where you can get this sort of expertise. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as you said, there are people who fall through the cracks because these are such large operations. I mean, yeah. and I don't remember, let's see, in Beijing, we had, oh, it was like, incredible number of officers yeah. and all of us were doing you know we were supposed to do 100 cases a day and then to do dropbox so renewals dropbox mm -hmm. renewals on the side as well mm -hmm. and there are people in our section who could easily get to 120 130 a day do you mm -hmm. remember there yeah and i feel and, like and the yeah. section really grew in the time that we were yeah. there because by the time we were like leaving it was almost like almost up to like 50 officers, which is just like, think about how many people are coming through that waiting room, you know? And of course, yeah, things have really changed after COVID and, you know, social distancing measures and just talking to some of my colleagues in the state department, I feel like, uh, you know, some interviews are getting longer yeah. just because there's fewer interviews. And it's even more important that somebody 
that a visa applicant is extra prepared because it's so hard to get an appointment. When you get an appointment, yeah. it might be a 10 minute interview, not a three minute interview. Yeah. So you want to be prepared. You don't want to just like risk it and say like, Hey, let's see if I get it. You know, this is a very, actually, yeah, I was going to, I was going to mention that, that the situation now, so it was one thing when there are 50 of us and a hundred mm-hmm. a day and, you know, everybody was getting three to five minutes or less because the officer really wanted to get you out of the window. So like, if he could figure out in a minute that you were good, yeah, they would have just issued you. Yeah. Um, and these days it's, it sounds like it's really hard. I mean, in the early stages of Argo, we had some people come in, um, because they were, uh, from China originally, mm-hmm. and they had to go to third countries because mm-hmm. all of the, the embassies and consulates had all shut down in China. That's and so they were right. going to these right. third countries and in these third countries, there weren't a lot of visa applicants. Typically mm-hmm. they were pretty slow, sleepy places. Not like China where it was like, wow, you have to do like a million a day. Um, and they were, they were interviewing these applicants like 15 minutes mm-hmm. and 15 minutes. I don't know about you, but 15 minutes of interviewing. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we've done job interviews. My gosh, that's a lot. Yeah, It's exhausting. Yeah. And the students were saying, you know, at the end of the 15 minutes, they were just exhausted and they had gotten rejected. Yeah, And, I, and they were asking me like, is 15 minutes normal? No, 15 minutes is not normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, they should have figured it out within like three to five minutes. And if they didn't, there's something wrong. Yes. And so it was just kind of like one of those things. And they would uh, tell me about these experiences and I would just be exhausted for them on their yes. behalf, actually, because that is a lot. And I'd be exhausted for the officer, to be honest, because 15 minutes with an applicant from a third country where you don't really know yeah. about the country or you haven't lived it, it's really hard. Yeah. And yeah, and they would come to us after this and they would be like, well, I want to go back there and re-interview. And I would sit there and be like, all right, well, then let's get ready for this 15 minute interview, because being yep. ready for a 15 minute interview is different than being ready for a three minute one. That's Absolutely yeah, right. Because they really dig into your case. Yeah. And I, I just have to say, like, if you're applying outside of your home country, yeah. whether you're a Chinese citizen or a citizen of some other country you're, and you're applying elsewhere, yeah, make sure you prepare with an ex-visa officer because that is yeah. going to be a very different interview than if you're applying in your home country. It's going to be more complicated. The officer is not going to really understand your situation because they don't understand the country where you're from. And so you'll want to be extra prepared because it's not going to be as easy and the standard is going to be higher and you have a higher risk of getting refused or being stuck in 221G administrative processing. That's absolutely right. And that's exactly what happened to these students that I interviewed in the early stages. They were getting stuck and they couldn't, couldn't get through. You know, when we talked to them, it was pretty clear. They were obviously a student. They were just trying to get back to the United States. Often they had already had traveled to the United States, yeah. but they couldn't get back. Yes. They couldn't get back. So they had already, they were halfway through their degree and they couldn't get back because they yeah. couldn't get past the visa officer. And one of the things that was really shocking to them when we, when we did the, the consult was they said, you know, this 15 minutes, you know, th- this is normal. Right. And I said, no, Mm-hmm. This is not normal. And mm-hmm. I, and the thing that really shocked them was that the fact that the visa officer giving them 15 minutes was actually, they were doing them a favor. Mm-hmm. They weren't trying to cause trouble for them. Yeah. So the officer could just as easily say, you know what, this is too complicated a case. Yeah. I'm done here. I reject because, yeah. you know, maybe you're good. Maybe you, you beat all the criteria, 
but I just don't know. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. When the officer actually gives you 15 minutes, they're doing you a favor. They're pulling time out of their day and Mm -hmm. kind of, they might may or may not get in trouble with their manager because they haven't done enough that day um, to actually go through and try to figure out your case. Yeah. And the applicants that that came to talk to us were absolutely shocked that this Mm -hmm. was actually a favor because the way that they saw it was, I was getting the third degree, yeah. you know, someone's asking me all these questions about my family and my background and, you know, my ancestors, but that wasn't, that's not the case. Being the officer, when they give you that much time, they're mm. actually trying to help you because yeah. we're, I don't know, you know, remember back when we were, we were told reject those cases because if it's yep. that complicated, yeah, you're never going to get to the bottom of it. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's 15 minutes or an hour, you're not going to do it and yeah. just reject it. Yeah. And there, I just love how like the difference in our, our perspective, having done the job, understanding exactly what we're looking for, you know, when somebody qualifies and gets approved or needs to get denied versus from the applicant's perspective, right? Like from our client's perspective, what that looks like. And it's, it's sometimes it could be a very big difference. Oh yeah. That was a huge one. It was so funny. Uh, when they first came to talk to me, they're like, oh, this person like was so mean to me. They talked to me for like 15 minutes and they were asking all these questions. I'm like, I'm sorry, but you had that wrong. That person was being really nice to you. (laughs) They probably got yelled at by their manager afterwards for giving you 15 minutes when that should have only taken five. That is so true. That is so true. And so then, you know, you've worked with a lot of clients with complicated situations. I guess we kind of all have, because we've kind of turned into this company of sort of, you know, being these visa experts for complicated situations, right. you know, what is your favorite thing about helping clients with complicated situations? So when I, when our clients come to us, I, we automatically guess that there's something complicated in their case. It's yeah. few and far between where you get a case, which is really straightforward. Like this is my first time. I just want to get some, you know, ideas of how to, to do this. That's pretty rare. Um, when we get these complicated cases, you know, having the questionnaire fully filled out really helps, right? So it mm-hmm. gives an idea of what we should look into because mm-hmm. even though we were former visa officers, a lot of the stuff still has to be referenced back in the FAM and it always yes. helps me to go back there. So mm-hmm. like full questionnaire, really great. Um, but, you know, when they come to us and there's these complicated cases, it really, it's, it, you're, it's like you're being a detective, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I have the luxury of the time that I never used to have. So like, like I said, every time we rejected someone after a while, it weird, a war on you. It yeah. made you feel really bad every time you rejected someone. Cause maybe they were perfectly fine, yep. but you couldn't be sure. And so yeah. you had to reject them and you didn't have the luxury of time. Yeah. The nicest thing about Argo is that you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 30 minutes isn't a long time, but, co- mm-hmm. but compared to three, mm-hmm. it's, it's a lifetime. Yeah. And so being able to figure out what you think the problem is mm-hmm. and being able to listen to the applicant and let them vent, mm-hmm. you know, being rejected is never fun, but letting them vent and trying to figure out what that problem is, mm-hmm. is really a satisfying and it's really rewarding mm-hmm. for me as a former visa officer. Like I said, every time I rejected someone, it made me feel that in this, this way, it makes you feel like you build that back up a bit. <laughs> It's so that, you know, that rewarding feeling and build it back up a bit to try to help these people yeah. um, get through their next interview because yeah. you know everybody wants to go to America and if you come to us generally there's always a good narrative we can yeah. always figure out a way to present your case in a way that makes the most sense yes yeah yeah absolutely. and of course there are always going to be cases where we're like please just don't don't apply again because yeah. 
this is not going to work for you. And yeah. of course, you know, that, that's really disheartening to hear, but at the same time, we don't want to disappoint you either, yeah. you know? Exactly. And so being on the other end of that, that's really nice. Being able to figure out that and being able to build that back uh, a little bit for me personally is really yeah. nice. But from the Argo, from the client's point of view, um, you know, so many of them have really great narratives mm-hmm. and um, it's really sad when you get a person and they stand they're in front of you on the computer and they're like, you know, I just don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to be able to help them craft uh, a way to present themselves that is just so much more effective mm-hmm. is, is so it's so great. And to give them a chance at something that they were really hopeful of that mm-hmm. they felt that their hopes were completely dashed. Yeah. Being, being able to give that hope back mm-hmm. when you've been on the other side, taking it away. Yeah. Is it's it's really it feels good. Yeah, it feels good for us. I love how you describe all that because I totally agree. It's almost like this like healing process. It feels like we're like regaining our humanity a little bit because we were forced to sort of be this judge, you know, of like taking away people's hopes and dreams, and a lot of it based on you know not really fully understanding the situation or not really having the time to understand. Yeah, you, you simply didn't. And I, and I feel for the officers that are doing this job, it is a really mm-hmm. hard job, yep. you know, to, to deal with this many people in a day and then to dig into these cases where, you know, you just don't know. Yep. And, you know, I got I to gotta be honest, a lot of people come to the officers in there and they do lie. Mm-hmm. A lot of our applicants back when we were working in China, they did lie. Yep. And so after a while, you know, a hundred people a day, and let's say only 10% lie to you, even 10% day after day after day, you know, after 10 days, that's a hundred people who've lied to you. And, and that's really tough. That grates on you and it creates, you know, it's not good for your health. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's just not a fun situation to be in. And they have to do this for like years. You did it for years. I did it for years. I still, you know, I still remember so many of the interviews that I did. So, and I think at the time I didn't know this, but to be a part of this like movement to actually care about these people and to help them and to give them the tools and the resources that they need to finally understand what the visa interview is actually about is really gratifying. And, um, you know, and I think that I, I love doing it. I used to think that maybe doing an Argo consultation was going to be like doing a visa interview, but in some ways I almost feel like it's like the opposite. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, it really is the opposite. I mean, you're really trying to craft this, um, just the most efficient way to put this information up front. And that's, you know, in and of itself, a real big challenge. And, you know, with a lot of our applicants, so many of them are just, so many of the consults are with people who are vastly qualified, perhaps overqualified, and yet they're just unable to get these stories out. And I, it feels terrible mm-hmm. that they've been rejected. You feel mm-hmm. for them. Right. So we're in the situation where we completely understand what what's happening on both sides of the window. And, you know, to be to be there and to be able to do something about that, that really, really helps. And so, you know, I really enjoy the Argo consults, even though they are hard. Some of these Mm -hmm. cases are just honestly heart wrenching. And you talk to the applicant and you're like and you just tell them how it is Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to have them, you know, reach that level of understanding with you so that mm-hmm. they have the tools and the information that they need to make good decisions is really, really great. Like I always say to people that um, there is no such thing as a bad decision. Mm-hmm. There's only 
there's only decisions that you've made without having a sufficient amount of information. And I think I'm able, if I'm able to give that information to somebody Mm -hmm. in a way that they can understand and they can absorb it and they can internalize it and act on it, Mm -hmm. then I've done my job. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The the goal is not to try to get past the officer. Like there's some sort of challenge. The goal is to present your information in such a way where the officer just feels like, okay, this is fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not to see the, the officer as a goalkeeper. That's not what this is all about. Right. Yeah. It's to see, it's just to present your information as best as you can so that the officer can do their job. And yep. that's what it is. They're not goalkeepers. They're not trying to keep you out. They're mm-hmm. trying to do their job. Yep. Yep. I, yeah. I totally agree with you. I feel like everything you say, I just like, I feel it so deeply <laughs> because of this this work that we've done, which to this day, I feel like was one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Having to face those people and sometimes make decisions that you knew, you know, was just dashing their hopes and dreams. And so I want to end this episode on a lighthearted note because I feel like we've gone very, very deep and, um, (laughs) you know, and and for, for those of our listeners, you know, I think Kat and I, and the rest of our Argo officers were all on this page about the same page about how much we want to help people, how much we want them to be understood, you know, through this like very, um, American lens by American officers, you know, and sometimes there's so many cultural differences and we really just want to be there to kind of help you get that right because it's a short interview. It's a high stakes interview. You want to work with the experts, but let me ask you this, you know, outside of work, outside of doing Argo consultations, you know, you live in Taiwan. Um, Mm -hmm. what, uh, what is your favorite food? Oh, uh, so my favorite food is the cultural equivalent of macaroni and cheese. I love rou zhao fan. So rou zhao fan, it's it's literally just a sauce with little pieces of of meat and Mm -hmm. onion Uh and put on rice. Yeah. And then you eat them with like a braised egg. So with a lu dan, and then that's it. And that's all you, that's it. That sounds amazing. Is that like a... Um, a standard thing in Taiwan. I feel like I haven't had it. Oh, okay. So they it's called by it's called by different names regionally. Yeah. Here they call it lurofa, but uh, it's it's literally the cultural equivalent of macaroni and cheese. Everywhere you go, you can get a lurofan with little pickle on top, uh-huh. and you can get a braised egg on the side. And oh I just God. I love it. It's the best thing ever, and it's like great comfort food. You can get it wherever, so you never have to be without it. <laughs> That sounds delicious. Well, but it is terrible for you. It's not good for you. You shouldn't eat it every meal. (laughs) (laughs) Just like mac and cheese, probably. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that sounds amazing. And I can't wait until things, you know, when it's a little bit easier to travel. And Mm -hmm. I would love to visit you in Taiwan, one of my favorite places. And just the food there is so awesome. Uh, It makes me hungry just even talking to you about food in Taiwan. So. Yeah, I just look forward to travel in general. There are so many places that I wish I could go, but these days, yeah. So a lot of times our applicants, when they're talking to me and they're like, I'm trying to go back to America or I'm I'm coming from this really exotic place that I would love to go visit sometime. They're like, I go back to America. I'm like, why are you going back to America? (laughs) (laughs) Just joking. But yeah. It's it's true. There's so many places that, you know, we loved like living in as you know, consular officers, but also foreign service officers representing the yeah, U.S. government. Yeah, super cool. 
and someday we'll get to travel again. I'm very hopeful, but thank you so much again, Kat, for your time, talking to our audience, talking to our subscribers. You know, if you guys um, are applying in China and Mm -hmm. you would like an expert to look at your visa situation by somebody who's actually been behind the window, you know, you are likely to get me or Kat or one of our other ex-visa officers that has worked in China. And we're, yeah. we're here to help you. Um, we really want to, you know, we want, we want you to be understood. We want your situation to make sense to the visa officer and, um, you know, use us as a resource. So again, if you guys uh, have any questions about your visa situation and you want to know how we can help, send us an email at hello at argovisa.com. And, um, you know, I'm always looking forward to my next Argo consultation. So, okay. So thank you again, everybody. And thanks so much, Kat. Thank you.